Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners, or welcome to Gardening Naturally. Uh, We are going to be cold. If you haven't watched the news yet today, or the weather reports at least, you need to do so. We are going to have high winds, 25 mile an hour breezes with gusts higher than that. We're going to have rain, and the temperature is going to be dropping a lot. We're going to get down... Where tomorrow morning, it'll be in the 40s or less. Colder on Tuesday morning could be as low as 37. And that's in Austin. If you're not in Austin, if you're in the outer region, you're going to get cold. What's that do to our trees, to our garden, things like that? Not a lot. This is supposed to happen. This is what we're supposed to do. What we as humans do, we try to come up with every way to defeat nature in terms of, ah, sorry, it's cold. This plant's not going to make it anymore. Oh, no, we'll keep it covered up. We'll put a blanket on it. We'll keep it warm. That's okay. It is because it can increase your harvest. It can increase it can increase the amount of time that the plant can produce its crop, whether it's flowers or fruit. Now it becomes a question of efficiency. Is it really worth your trouble to run out there and string up the Christmas lights and cover the tomatoes and hope they'll stay warm enough to continue producing? Uh, It's up to you. You can pick tomatoes while they're still green. Fried green tomatoes are tasty. There's a tomato... Dish. I think it's made with green tomatoes called chow chow. Sorry, never had it. Um, had pl- friends talk about it. But you can pick those tomatoes early. And if they're green and you're not a big fan of green tomatoes, put them in a paper bag, put them on a countertop somewhere. Do not put them in the fridge. You put them in a bag because as they age, they release a product called ethylene gas. Ethylene gas is what causes the plant to um, ripen. So if you put them in a bag, their decomposition that naturally occurs produces this gas and the green tomatoes will slowly turn red. Now, you got to pay attention. The reason you have to pay attention is if you get a tomato that's infected 
or diseased or maybe has a pest, it could start turning ugly in the paper bag, and that could spread to the other tomatoes. So you need to check every day or two and remove anything that is rotting instead of turning red for you. So it's a great way, it is a great way to extend, quote, extend your harvest because you're not waiting for the plants to turn red on the vine. They do not need to do so. Let's go to the phone. This is Patrick. Patrick, what can I help you with? Uh, yes, sir. I have a flower uh, flowery beds and pots around the pool area at my house, and I recently had the pool deck surface refinished, and they, when they were doing that, they threw up a great deal of concrete powder dust, and that got into all of the pots and on the ground. Is there anything I can put? Should I worry about that? pH balance of the soil? Is there something I should put? down to counteract that? <clears throat> Should you? Not sure. Can you? Yeah. You can uh, rinse off all the plants to get the dust off of them. As for any dust that actually fell in the pot, it will be alkaline, but for the most part, so is the soil it may become more alkaline. What you can do is you can um, sprinkle something called copperus. It's a sulfur iron mix, and it will slightly decrease the alkalinity. It's not okay. going to make the soil, it's not going to make the soil super acidic, but it can help counter some of that concrete dust that winds up in the soil. A little goes a long way. It's not very expensive. I think you can even find it at some big box stores. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the call, Patrick. Folks, if you... Things like Patrick experienced here... During the construction process, a lot of dust got exposed, and the dust falls on the soil. Think about that layer of dust. How thick is it? How big is the pot? How much soil is in the pot in the first place? What do you think, that there's a 1,000 to 1, 5,000 to 1 ratio here? Soil in the pot versus that thin layer of concrete dust? It's not going to make a huge difference in the pH of the pot. You can counter that by using something like um, granulated sulfur or copperus, which is a sulfur and iron mix. That will lower the pH of the soil just a little it will probably counteract the, the concrete dust just fine. But in the big picture of things, it may not be a huge problem. 
the amount of dust the amount of dust is trivial small compared to the amount of soil. If you're concerned, that's one thing you can do. It is probably, if you, if this is going to happen, right? If you have construction coming, if you see what's going on, covering the plants until the construction is over is the better answer to keep the dust down. But if that didn't happen, if you weren't able to get them covered before they began the construction, you can counter some of the alkalinity, which isn't a huge amount, but you can counter what's there with something like the sulfur products. Sulfur, when it gets wet, breaks down to hydrogen sulfide acid. Surprise! It is, uh, it is going to help acidify, but it is so small of a change. It's not going to turn a 7.0 to a 5.0 in terms of pH. But it'll help prevent too much of that dust from raising the pH either. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I'm uh, up against a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Got a couple of interesting text questions here. Someone has asked... <clears throat> what is the value you would get by feeding plants with seaweed before cold weather? Seaweed is cumulative in the plant. So it'll start building up within the plant to help protect it from the cold weather. Doesn't make much sense to do it once it's cold. You should be applying seaweed probably an application a month. This will really build up the strength of your plant for cold weather or for really hot weather. It's very beneficial. Is there any value to putting down dry molasses before a rain? Sure. The rain will melt it into the soil. Dried molasses is actually, um, it's like a soybean that's been ground up and then sprayed with the molasses and baked. That makes it so it doesn't stick together in one big blob. If you get it out there before the rain, 
Well, it's going to start melting the molasses into the soil where it needs to be. You need that watering to be able to do that. So always, always an advantage to take advantage of the rain. It's unlikely that the molasses is going to get floated away. And using the seaweed before the cold weather starts protecting the plant immediately. It will make it more cold tolerant and it especially is useful if you're using it on a regular basis. Let's see. Um, Wow. Um, Managing soil. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a slope. All right. Every time it rains, some, some erosion is going to occur. And that means the soil is going to get carried to the bottom of the slope. Rule number one, water always wins. Water always wins. So if you have a slope and it's raining and you see the water flooding down off of that slope, that means there's soil coming with it. So what can you do about that? How can you prevent it from burying an area? Well, there's a thing called a French drain. Let's say you've got 10 feet of driveway, and with the slope next to the driveway, whenever it rains, it washes mud onto the driveway. Well, what you can do is you can put in what's called a French drain. You dig a trench, you put in perforated pipe, and you cover it with dirt. When it rains, the water soaks into the soil, gets into that pipe, and the pipe carries it away from the driveway. I have this right now in front of a second building I have on my property. It used to get so buried in the mud and water, I had to dig it out every couple of years so the siding wasn't sitting in the mud and rotting. Dug a trench, put down the perforated pipe, made one end a little higher than the other, covered it with soil, and guess what? Now when it rains, the water soaks in but goes right into that pipe and runs out where I want it to be. Okay, you don't want to do the digging. That's fine. Plants. Specifically, grasses. Now, not turf grasses. They're not the same. You want deep-rooted grasses. 
like blue stem. Um, you want Gulf muley. You want these grasses that have very deep roots. And if you put them on the slope, they will break up the soil so that the water will soak in instead of run off. They'll also look good, and they can be used like a natural barrier to keep keep the soil and the driveway, the soil and the sidewalk from blending together. But erosion control, water always wins. You have to address water. You address it by redirecting where it goes. You address it by putting in enough plants that break up the soil so the water can soak in. Doing so will give you the results you want. This is a this is a constant problem. And if you use your search engine, there are people in the area who really know how to do soil management. They can come out and they'll discuss with you, here's the slope, here's this, here's the kind of soil, here's how much water could be running down, yada, yada, yada. And they can propose solutions that fixes the problem the first time. I had terrible problems where my neighbor's roof, water would run off and run down his drain pipes and flood to my side of the property. I simply put in Uh, a few swales, a couple of berms that weren't very tall. And what they did is they directed the water away from the building. It was a little bit of labor, not a lot. And I did it more than 10 years ago. I'm pretty much coming up on time to do it some more, just slightly deepen so that when the water comes running, It goes away from my structures. But I still get the use of the water, goes around the building and it soaks many other areas on my property. So I'm still collecting and trying to store as much of that water as I can in my own soil. When you have places like that where water is causing a mess for you, whether it's the water itself, or whether it's the erosion of the soil making mud pies all over your driveway, you have to address the water. And there's a lot of ways to do it. There are some pros out there who can discuss with you ways to correct it. Um, A little search engine on the internet and you can find some great solutions.
but you've got to address the water first. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the bottom of the hour. I need to break for the news. I'll catch you all on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, sorry if I'm droning on about it, but it's going to be cold. Windy, cold, rainy. Not what we're used to considering what we went through this summer. It was unbelievable. The weather was so bad. Heat like we couldn't believe. No rain. And now, well, (laughs) we're trying to catch up on the heat thing, it seems like. We're going to be dropping into the 30s. For many places. And we're going to get wind. A lot of wind. You have to take that into account also. If you are covering things up, if you are covering things up, that's going to be a sail in this kind of wind. So you really need to make sure stuff is secure. Otherwise, it can rip out your plants. You go to the works to try to protect them, and the wind comes and tears them right out. Well, that's not very good, is it? That's not what we're looking for. So make sure if you're covering stuff, that it is secured. There's nothing worse than putting covers down and then the wind comes through and you didn't put them down tight enough and the wind blows your cover down the street. That is just kind of a double insult there. You went to all the trouble. Not only did it uncover your stuff, but it stole your cover. Not Not a fun time. Not a fun time at all. Uh, Let's go to the phone. This is Ed. Ed, what can I help you with? Ah, Good morning. I have a question about a couple of trees that I got way earlier in the season and never got in the ground. I've got an olive and a fig, and I'm just wondering how best to overwinter them. Do I put them in the ground today? Do I just repot them into bigger pots or do I cut my losses and call it a done deal? The fig in the container it's in right now can be kept in the container it's in. If you were to plant it, it's going to freeze back to the ground anyway. Figs will do that their first couple of years until they establish enough roots and top growth to where They are above the ground all winter long. So 
you could just keep your fig in a relatively protected area, water it when it needs water, and wait till next spring to put it in the ground. As for the olive, our olives here in Texas can manage the cold. It doesn't mean they'll produce every year, but they can handle some surprisingly cold weather, depending on the olive. That is one where I don't know that I would put it in the ground now. Uh, That is one that I think I would hold out till spring to get it established in the ground. For a couple of reasons, it is, for a couple of reasons, it's, really wet soil and olives need super good drainage so putting them in the ground in this very wet soil with more rain coming um, that may not be to the advantage of the olive so if you keep it in its container and the fig you can move them out of the cold north wind when it's blowing like crazy you can still care for them and they'll be fine in their containers. They've been in a container for most of the year already, right? Yes, they have. They'll be just fine if you keep them there and you look at a good spot for them this spring. One more quick question on the olive. I'm in 100% clay loam. I'm east of 35. (laughs) Should I amend that with more carbon material when I go to plant it to ensure better drainage because it sucks the water out pretty quick as it is. Um, You can use decomposed granite and blend it into the soil that you're planting into. That'll improve the drainage and that will help keep the uh, olive happy. You can use you can use a good quality compost and blend it into the soil to help improve that drainage also. So it's kind of up to you. Um, you could also plant the olive a little higher in the ground. Uh, know what I mean? Instead of making it so that the root ball is flush with the soil, you actually raise that root ball up a little by backfilling the hole you dug and put some soil at the top and slope it away from the olive. Uh, Planting a little higher also improves the drainage. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate what you do. Thanks for the call, Ed. Yeah, folks, uh, planting higher, normally we wouldn't want to do that, but it is a way to overcome poor drainage. Let's go to the phone. This is Amy. Amy, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. Good morning. Um, I have a couple questions. One, you kind of answered a little bit of it when you were talking about the covering for, you know, this week of cold we're going to get. My question about that is I've planted some broccoli and cabbage and lettuce varieties from spinach to arugula kind of stuff, and I didn't know if it's worth it to cover it. Because I have other plants there, like a Gerber daisy that always comes back and some butterfly bushes that actually still have flowers, mums that still have flowers. And, you know, 
one week it's going to be 30 degrees, but the next week it's going to be 80. So I just, can I let it ride, you think? Or do you think, usually when I cover it, I like to cover it for the season. But, you know, that doesn't really happen until December. I didn't know if it was good, if I should go ahead and cover it this week. And I know cabbage and all that likes cold weather anyway, so I wasn't sure. But I don't want my plants to die. So if I need to cover it, I'll go home and do that today. But if I don't have to, I didn't didn't want to to mess with it yet. How long have they been in the ground? Um, about two or three weeks. They'll probably be fine. Broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, they usually can handle down to almost 25 degrees. Okay. And I don't think you're getting to that temperature. So they should be fine. You'll never harm the plant by covering it in a preventive action. If you're not sure, cover them. Ends the problem, won't hurt the plant. But I think they'll be fine. We're not gonna be that cold that cabbage and broccoli are gonna be affected. Okay, and then uh, my second real quick question for you is, I have a mulberry tree in my backyard and it loved the rain. It's got all kinds of new growth on it. And it developed a white powder, maybe, on the leaves. And I've heard you talk about it before on trees, like it could be insects or fungal. I've never had a mulberry tree before. This is my first time. And so I took all the the leaves that had the white powder off, and I trimmed it up a little bit at the bottom um, before I recompost it for, for the fall. And I just didn't know if maybe I needed to get a fungal treatment for it or um, or not. And then... My side with that is that with the new growth, the one, you know, trunk branch is getting super tall. <laughs> and um, and then I didn't know if it would be, like, I probably shouldn't cut that or is it okay to cut it to just kind of form the tree a little better? Because the other branches, are they're getting there, but they're not keeping up with, like, the full width of it, if that makes sense, for the height that I'm getting. Amy? A mulberry is going to drop its leaves anyway in the winter. Okay. So do you need to treat it? You can. You can get an antifungal spray. But they're going to fall off anyway. Once all of the leaves are off of the tree, that's the best time to prune it for shape. If you got any water spouts that are way too tall that shouldn't be where they're at, that would be the best time to prune it. Okay, so it doesn't hurt it if I, t- if I take a little bit off the top? Nope. It'll just okay. change the shape of the tree. Okay. Yeah, it was getting pretty tall. I, was, I didn't want it to be bigger than my house. I wanted it to be a moderate size, so um, I just wanted to make sure. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You stay warm. You too, Amy. Thanks for the call. Um, Yeah, folks, let's not worry about diseases on our leaves of our trees on a tree that's going to drop its leaves anyway, okay? It's going to solve its own problem. Uh, Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. Karen, I see you there. I will catch you when we get back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Let's go to the phone. This is Karen. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Um, well, I've got yes, some ma'am. information about just in time for fall planting. There's a great workshop that's going to take place at Zilka Botanical Garden next Saturday from 11 to 1, and it's put on by the Austin Herb Society. And it's all about growing fall cool weather herbs just in time. Uh, yes, and according to the weather, it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. Yes, we're re- really excited about it. There's a lot going on at the garden next Saturday, so we really want it to be nice. So this is called Talks and Walks in the Garden, or the cute little acronym TWIG, and people should um, get to the garden at about 1030 and make their way to the herb garden because the workshop will actually take place right in the herb garden. The Austin Herb Society has everything planted for Zilker Fall showing, and they'll be able to see the plants right there in place and learn how to take care of them. It'll really be a lot of fun. Well, and hopefully you're going to have wonderful weather. It'll be just cool enough to remind us we're not in the summer heat, and we're talking about some of the best veggies and herbs to be getting in the ground this time of the year. So a free lesson for everybody, and... uh, they get a lot out of it. Yeah, I'm just getting back from New Hampshire, and I'm very happy that it's not 106 here anymore, so I'm ready for some fall gardening myself. <laughs> yeah, I that was pretty brutal this summer. That really, no pun intended, burned out a lot of us on gardening. So. Oh, I was, didn't expect to get away from a call with you without one pun, Jeb, so thanks for that. <laughs> you bet, you bet. I got... I, I keep them coming. I'm here all okay. week. Come on down to the garden, everybody. See you next Saturday. Thanks for the call, Karen. Um, let's go to the phone. This is Jeff. Jeff, what can I help you with? Hey, Jeff. It's Jeff. Um, I wanted to bounce this off you. I've been kind of going back and forth on uh on uh, dethatching, um, my elderly aunt, I take care of her yard, and summer was pretty hard on it because of lack of water. And a couple weeks ago, I went in and I lowered the mower down and and cut a bunch of the the old dead St. Augustine and sucked up everything and kind of went from there. But I'm looking at right now. I'm fixing to go out and treat with some Medina today, um, the soil activator, and just trying to get everything kind of prepped. Uh, we'll be putting down uh, ryegrass perennial after this after this cold front gets in, get this soil temperature down a little bit. But I wanted your thoughts on actually going ahead and dethatching this time of year, um, and just seeing what your what your thoughts are. Part of me says no, part of me says yes, just to kind of protect. And but I'm hoping uh, usually the ryegrass perennial will help. Uh, protect you know yeah it will it will okay i'm not a believer in dethatching because if you're mowing correctly and you're caring for the turf so it's got good root to it it shouldn't build up thatch you want to remove one third of the blade when you mow, no more, no less. We don't do this, oh, it's Saturday, mow the lawn. No, 
there's no reason to mow. You may have to mow more than once a week or only once a month if you're only removing a third of the blade. The reason for that is that cut will fall to the ground and will break down faster than if you have too much grass left there. And if it breaks down fast enough and you are doing things like soil activator, if you're doing things like molasses, the soil biology will do its job and break down that cut grass and feed it back to your turf really quickly. That's the cool thing about grass. It's a cannibal. <laughs> you cut it back and it will eat the pieces you cut off by breaking them down and turning them into nutrients. If you're not cutting too long, if you're not leaving a lot of cut after, if you cut to that one third of the blade, it shouldn't be building up thatch for you. And well, you're and topping it with the best stuff. You're topping it with things that will help break that thatch down. Well, and, and let me kind of go back. It really isn't thatch as for per se. It's actually the dead grass. You, you mm. know that, that the top, you know, the, the grass kind of basically the top layers kind of died, that type of thing, just trying to break it up a little bit just to kind of open it back up so that, I'm getting enough moisture down in it. So, I mean, uh, I've been organic on this thing for years and years. So when I let everything go back, uh, collect weeds, the, the weed seeds, that type of thing, it's just I'm just trying to <clears throat> um, break up some of that dead that may be, I mean, it, that's, that's really there. Well, you got a problem with this, especially with St. Augustine. St. Augustine has that above-ground runner, the stolen. Right. So if you're scratching, if you're raking really hard to pull up the stuff that's dead, you're tearing out the roots of the St. Augustine. You're getting those runners and pulling them out of the soil. So you will do a better job, and it'll be better for the turf, if you do the things like you mentioned, cut short and bag it, apply soil activator, apply molasses, fertilize when you should, and that will help break down if there is any thatch that's an issue, and it'll improve the soil. And the side benefit will be that the turf will look great. Okay, and and that's the reason I, I just wanted, you know, like I said, part of me goes no because I never, I don't like to dethatch. I've, I used to do it way back when, when it was really thick. I'm talking, you know, 20-some-odd years ago or better when I didn't know better. But I'm just trying to get, you know, as much moisture in the ground because I am coming back and going to go ahead and aerate and uh, mm. go from there. And, and looking sometime in the middle of winter, I may go ahead and put get compost and just, you know, put the half inch across the entire yard just to prep everything for, you know, for the spring. But... Uh, just trying to those revive are, everything. Those are great choices. That'll accomplish everything you're looking for, and you won't have to go through the labor of trying to dethatch the St. Augustine grass. Okay. All right, bud. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. 
folks, dethatching should not be necessary if you are mowing to the right height and you are giving the turf what it needs in terms of both water and fertilizer. Um, I've got a caller. I don't have enough time left. Will okra and squash be okay in this freeze? Okra probably will give up on you. If you get an actual freeze, neither the okra nor the squash will survive. So good luck on that one. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, have a great afternoon. Stay warm. And I will talk to you next Saturday at 9 o'clock.